Hello, I'm Dr. Annalene Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, we're going to focus on the critical subject of how we say no to patients. Can we do it? Should we do it? And if we should, how are we going to do it? So Kieran, a common question that we get from our members is whether they can actually refuse to treat a patient. Now, can you tell me what your thoughts are on this? Sure, Annalie. This is always a tough situation for a health professional because we always want to be able to use our skills and clinical experience to help patients. People assume that they have a right to be seen by you whenever they ask, but this isn't always the case. Many times, treating a patient isn't always the best thing for them, and sometimes it may not be the best thing for you. Each situation and patient needs to be judged on its merits and the particular circumstances that present themselves in front of you. Could you give me some examples then, Kieran, of when a healthcare professional may choose to refuse to provide treatment? Definitely. An obvious example would be if the treatment that a patient wants you to provide them is outside your scope of practice. The new guidelines for scope of practice effective from 1st of July 2020 states that you must only perform dental treatments that you have been educated and trained in, and that you are competent in. I think that this is pretty self-explanatory, but basically the Dental Board of Australia is telling each registrant that they may only provide treatment that comes within the scope of their practitioner division, that's hygienists, dentists, prosthetists, etc. They have sufficient training for, and very importantly, deem themselves to be competent in providing that treatment. For example, in clinic, I don't provide orthodontic treatment. And if a patient were to come in to see me and ask me to straighten their teeth, I would explain to them why I will not provide the treatment and then refer them on to one of my GDP colleagues or to a specialist who can then help the patient. Okay, so that's a pretty obvious example there, Kieran. So here's a tougher one. What if I don't like the patient or I've previously had issues with that patient? That definitely is a tougher one. I think it's human nature to avoid conflict, and if you've previously had issues with a patient, then naturally you'll be reluctant to provide them with further treatment. And this is where it can get a bit more complicated, and again, a situation that has to be assessed on its merits. For example, let's say you saw the patient about two years ago. They were unhappy with the filling that you provided at the time, and had come back to see you a couple of times to rectify. Maybe you had to replace the fillings, or you gave the patient a refund as a gesture of goodwill and you didn't hear from the patient again. If the patient books in to see you again for a regular checkup, this would show that in the patient's mind at least, they don't have an issue with you and therefore you need to strongly consider whether you should refuse to see this patient. That's not to say that you always have to see a patient. If you have a patient that's verbally abusive and threatening has told you that they'll put a brick through your window, obviously this is a significant breakdown in the professional relationship. And so you would be well within your rights to refuse to treat the patient. You had asked what if you don't like the patient, and this could be for a number of reasons. They could be rude, they use language that you don't think is appropriate, they always turn up late or never pay their bills. In these circumstances, it's wise to remember that you have your own personal boundaries and it's not okay for anyone to breach them. You should clearly set out what these boundaries are, clearly and respectfully to a patient. And if the patient continues to cross these boundaries, you'd be well within your rights to refuse to treat them. 
Can you give any other examples of when you could refuse to treat a patient? Sure, Emily. An example that most of our members would have experienced is when a patient attends and demands treatment from you. Now, the treatment that they request may be entirely reasonable and in their best interests, and so their request may be valid and based on the patient's considerations and beliefs, and this is entirely reasonable. However, many times it is not in their best interests, and this could be a situation where you may consider refusing to provide the treatment. Now, an example of a situation that I have come across a few times, especially when I was working in England in a very high needs area, would be a patient coming to me for the first time. They've not seen a dentist for seven or eight years and they come in and say, Dr. Kieran, can you extract all my teeth and give me dentures? I'd examine the patient and while I'd agree that maybe two or three of those teeth couldn't be saved and needed extraction, the remaining teeth would be fine and either a simple clean or small restorations were needed. I did not believe extracting all the teeth and providing dentures was in the best interest for the patient or the right thing for them and would have to refuse to provide this treatment. This was always a difficult conversation to have with patients. So how would you go about having that difficult conversation with the patient, Kieran? As you know, Annalene, with most difficult situations, communication is the most important factor. Often it's not the decision to refuse treatment, but the way that it's conveyed to the patient that makes the difference. For me, for example, I would explain my findings to the patient and explain to them that aside from the very broken down teeth, the rest of their teeth could be saved. I'd further go on to explain that dentures or any of the other options are not the route to a lifetime of having no dental issues and would explain the difficulties in wearing dentures, the need to try to get used to them, how they would affect their speech and taste, and that the dentures would need replacing over time. Many times the patients would listen and understand what I was explaining to them, and most of them would appreciate the advice, as they would not have considered the risks and ne negative aspects of the treatment that they were requesting. Once I had a patient demanding that I provide the treatment with a classic line of, they're my teeth, you have to do what I say. I had to explain to the patient that yes, they most definitely are your teeth, but I do not believe that the treatment you are requesting is in your best interest and therefore I'm not comfortable providing the treatment. I offered to refer the patient to another dentist for a second opinion. And if you ever find yourself in this sort of situation, I'd recommend that you offer your patients a referral for a second opinion offered to send the patient's records to a practitioner of their choice. Great, Kieran. So can you give any other tips on how to handle this difficult situation? Sure. If you're certain that you will not provide treatment that a patient's asking for, there are a few things to keep in mind during your discussion. Firstly, I think it's very important to be very clear in your refusal to treat. Say no. Being vague or letting the patient convince you or try to convince you otherwise is never going to be in your best interest. It will lead to more confusion for the patient. As explained before, simply saying no and walking out the room is never the best way to handle this situation. So it's important to explain why you're refusing the, to provide the treatment. Many patients will be more reasonable in face-to-face -face discussions with you, and this can also help build trust. As always, offering the patient alternatives and explaining the pros and cons of these alternatives is necessary. And if you feel that a patient is adamant that they want the treatment, always offer to refer them for a second opinion. Do we have any guidance from any of the regulatory bodies on refusing to treat patients? 
The Dental Board Code of Conduct document advises us that along with the scope of practice issues that we discussed earlier, a clinician should recognize the limits of their own skills and competence and refer a patient to another practitioner when this is in the best interests of the patient and be aware of their right to not provide or participate directly in treatments to which they object conscientiously, informing patients and, if relevant, colleagues of the objection and not using that objection to impede access to treatments that are legal and not allowing moral or religious views to deny patients or clients access to healthcare. Recognizing that practitioners are free to decline to provide or participate in that care personally. Similarly, the Healthcare Complaints Commission of New South Wales advises that a practitioner is obliged to see a patient when a person's life is in danger and they require urgent emergency treatment. It goes on to say that in non-emergency situations, a health practitioner may decline to see a patient for reasons such as they don't have any free appointments available and taking on a new patient would compromise the care that they provide to existing patients or they don't feel that they have the right expertise to help, that there has been a breakdown in the relationship between the practitioner and the patient, or there is a risk that professional boundaries could be crossed. Okay, Karen, thanks. So are there any situations where you can't refuse to treat a patient? It's always important to remember that as a healthcare professional, you cannot discriminate and refuse to see a patient based on their race, religion, gender, sexual preferences, or physical or mental disabilities. The only exception to this is when it's not possible to see a patient. For example, if you have a bariatric patient who exceeds the safe limit of the dental chair, and we'll put a link in the episode's note to one such case and how the practitioner handled it. Another example could be if you have concerns that the patient has behavioral issues, generally out of their control, which could make communication, consent, and provision of treatment difficult. In all such circumstances, it's important that you offer the patient a referral pathway to an appropriate clinician. We can't just abandon patients, especially mid-treatment. You have to ensure continuity of care, so make sure that you appropriately hand over or refer them. Thanks, Kieran. Do you have any final comments on this issue? Sure. Refusing to treat a patient for whatever reason is always a difficult situation to be in. And I think most clinicians will face something like this at some point in their career. Each situation needs to be carefully considered. Communication with your patient is very important. And I would suggest that this isn't delegated to a staff member. It's always a good idea to give us at Dental Protection a call so that we can discuss the issue with you and can help you with how to communicate your thoughts and decision to a patient. Thanks, Kieran. And that was really relevant and helpful content. And thank you all for listening. We do hope this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcasts and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.